next few moments, I want to talk to you just about one aspect of prayer, and, and that is just simply hearing the voice of God. In fact, if I could, if I were asked to name what I think is one of the most significant things a person must learn as we grow in the Lord is how to hear God's voice. Because God is a God who is speaking all the time. One of the things I did as I read through the Bible this year is I underlined everywhere it said, the Lord says. I was, it just was so amazing. And I mean, you get in some of the passages where you're in the, you know, the minor prophets or the, or the major prophets and, and, you know, some of those passages, especially if you're not, if you're not used to reading the Bible or you're not familiar with them, then what can happen is it can be a bit difficult. But if you just start looking for that, what that does is all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, God has a lot to say. In fact, you could not read the Bible and come to the conclusion God doesn't talk to people. So I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you're at in your journey spiritually, but 300 times the NIV says, and the Lord said. So God is a God who talks to people, and he's talking to you. He wants to talk to you, and the issue is, have you learned to hear his voice, and have you learned to discern when he's speaking to you? Because prayer is a conversation. It's not only you and I asking God for what we need, but it's you and I hearing him uh, speak to our hearts and directing us or putting thoughts in our mind, because that also is the voice of God, is God in a variety of ways speaks to us. He can speak to us through a dream. He can speak to us through a vision. He can speak to us by putting thoughts in our mind, and all of a sudden you know that's, that's from the Lord. He can speak to your heart where you know directly that is from the Lord. I want you to do this, and, and he's speaking. He's guiding you. King Solomon said this in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. Here's what I want. So God said, Solomon, ask for anything you want. What would you ask for? I mean, a lot of times we can, we can get focused on the need of the moment. God, I need this. I need that. I need your help with this. Here's what Solomon asked. He's got, he's got a big vision of what's most important. Here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. Give me the ability to hear with my heart what you're speaking. In, in Chronicles, in this passage, it is same, same story, Solomon asked for wisdom. You say, I thought he asked for wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to discern God's work and will in our life, and that includes his voice. So Solomon says, I want to be able to hear your voice. Now, I'm thinking about the Christmas story tonight, and so here we, in the Christmas story, we have God sending his son to earth, and he's going to send them to, to Mary and Joseph, and they're young. I mean, they're teenagers. So that's a big act of faith on God's part. He sends his son to teenagers and, and, and expects that he's going to survive. So, but what kind of teenager are you going to look for? What kind of qualities are you going to want in a mother and a father? And when you look at Joseph, one of the things that is consistent, it is the most mentioned quality 
that Joseph has. We don't know a lot about him. We know he was a stonemason. We know that, that uh, they had sons. They had daughters. He and Mary did after Jesus was born. But aside from that, we don't know much about him other than he was a godly man who heard God. That's the primary thing we know about him. He knew how to listen to the voice of the Lord. So I'm going to give you just uh, some simple principles that will help you as you think about listening to the voice of the Lord, because there are some things you and I can do that will either cause us to hear more clearly his voice, or if we don't do them, will keep us from hearing his voice potentially altogether. The first thing I want you to notice is a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. See, a lot of the things God wants to speak to you and I may not make sense at the time. And we may not be able to figure out how that could even happen. And so we can discount that as not being from God because we can't understand it. But a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. Here's Joseph, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. In other words, technically they are, they are, they are set to be married. He, they are betrothed. In that day, it's like a marriage. You'd have to have a divorce to get out of it. And so he's going to quietly do that. He can publicly expose her and shame her, but he's not going to do that. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. And I'm sure that just instantly cleared everything up for him. <laughs> She'll bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, he's got to have a, a million questions at that point. He doesn't understand that any more than you and I understand it. But here's Mary. She's pregnant, and God says it's a supernatural pregnancy. Joseph doesn't say, well, you know, God, I don't understand that. And so until I understand it, there's not much I'm willing to do. And that mindset keeps a lot of people from receiving from God, from hearing from God, because if you have to understand his will before you do his will, a lot of his will can never be done. Let me just say that again. If you have to understand his will before you do his will, a lot of his will can never be done because much of his will is based on a faith response on our part, and it's our faith that releases God's power in that situation as we respond to his voice in our life. 
God is speaking to some tonight. You might be watching online or here in in the in-person service, but God is speaking to you. He has spoken to you, but because you don't understand it, you're not willing to move forward in it. And, And that's where faith comes in. It's saying, listen, I know he's spoken, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust that as I do it, he's going to empower my life to accomplish not only that, but to take care of me for doing it. Joseph Joseph obeyed because a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. It's the second principle. A listening heart obeys immediately. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. So now they've had the baby. They're living in Bethlehem. Jesus probably at this time is maybe 18 months old. So this is when the wise men come And after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. Now, this is is interesting. The angel's telling him this. They've just had the wise men. They just now have all kinds of resource. So they have the gifts from the wise men to finance a journey into Egypt so they can live in Egypt for a while and support themselves because he doesn't speak the language. He he obviously doesn't know anybody. They're going to be fugitives while they're there. But he, at this point, he doesn't know Herod's coming. All he has is the word of an angel. You say, yeah, but it's an angel. But at the same time, an angel appears to you tonight and says, listen, I want you to flee to Mexico, leave everything behind. Just get in the car, drive to the border, get across the border and, and just go. Are you doing that? Very few people are going to do that without some kind of inquiry. Here's Joseph, and he, if he waits, it's not going to go well for him. If he waits, they're all dead. But he responds as soon as he hears the voice of God. My question is, is God speaking to you? Question number one. Number two, what are you doing about that? What have you done about that? Here's the problem. The longer you wait to obey, three things happen. Number one, the less sure you are that you heard his voice. God's very clear. You have that dream. And you're like, oh, that dream was so real. And I believe God is speaking. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to write it down so you remember it? Are you going to take it seriously? Or are you going to say, well, we'll just see what happens and kind of go on about your life and and not do anything with it in terms of honoring what God has spoken to you in the context of a dream? Or if God tells you to do something, are you going to step out and do it, even though you don't understand why it is that he's asking you to do that? The second thing that happens is when we wait to obey God's voice gets harder to hear. So you could hear him. You were sure you're like, that's God. But if you wait to obey, then what you're going to find is it's going to be harder to hear God the next time. His voice is not going to be as easily discerned. And then number three, the harder obedience becomes. When you delay obedience, Obedience doesn't get easier with time. It gets harder. 
Because what happens is you begin this process of rationalizing what you've heard. And now you're like, well, you know, I don't know. Because if you do this, and it's like, it's like all of a sudden God has spoken, but now you get the piece of paper out and you've got the pros and the cons of following it. And when you go that direction, you can rationalize yourself right out of obedience. And along the way, the urgency of following God fades when he speaks to it. I'm telling you this because even in the midst of a busy season, like the holiday season, God's going to speak. He's going to tell you things. You say, what is he going to tell me? Well, I don't know. It could be, you, if I know who you are, I, I would have a better idea of what he might say. <laughs> but I'm not going to be down front afterwards to, to give you words, okay? He might tell you in the grocery store, hey, pay for that person's groceries. That can be God. He might tell you to go up and ask a person, hey, can I pray for you? He might tell you that now is the time to talk to that family member that has wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Now's the time to invite them. Now's the time to reach out to them. God could say any number of things. He could tell you, I want you to write a check. He could tell you, I want you to, to make this this decision, this move. God, will, God is speaking all of the time, and he wants to talk to you. And when you step out, there is a blessing just in the obedience, whether you understand what it was about or not. Number three, a listening heart is constantly in tune with the Lord. Look at this in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So here he is. They left Bethlehem. He knows all the prophecies say that the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. And so no doubt they're thinking, boy, do we go to Bethlehem? Should we do that? I mean, there's the, the leadership there might try to kill us. And so he's got this quandary. And here the Lord is speaking to him twice in that time. And he's telling him, here's what I want you to do. Now, what I want you to notice about this is God could have told Joseph all of this all at one time. He could have laid it out before he ever married Mary. Hey, Joseph, let me just tell you, the, the baby's from the Holy Spirit. I know you don't get that, but when the baby's born, some supernatural things are going to happen. One of the things you're going to do, you're going to live in Bethlehem for a while, but then, and, and there are going to be some people come from the east, some magi, and they're going to worship uh, the child. They're going to leave you with lots of gifts that are worth a lot of money. And then as soon as they leave, I need you to pack up, need you to get down to Egypt so that you don't get killed by Herod. And then you're going to stay there uh, approximately two and a half years. And then what I need you to do is you're going to go, and he could have laid it all out for him. Why doesn't God do that? The reason why God doesn't do that, I think one of the reasons is he's going to tell us enough to take the next step, but never tell us so much we don't need faith. 
and never tell us so much that we're not dependent upon him every single day for his direction in our life. Why? Because God wants relationship with us. And he also knows this about us. If he told us everything all at once, scare us half to death. I mean, I'm just thinking, we've been here now over 30 years, and if God in Kansas City would have appeared and said, hey, guess what? I want you to go to Springfield, and there's a, a small group of 85 people meeting in a storefront, and I'm going to send you and Debbie there, and it's going to be one wild ride, and here's how it's going to play out year by year. I mean, I'd have been, you know, who's going to sleep after that? Um, Who's going to be able, you're going to try to make things happen. You're going to try to make God's will happen, often prematurely, and it's going to get in the way of what God wants to do. God tells us enough so that we're dependent on him and enough so that we're not going to get in the way to try to make his will happen. He wants to give us time to develop. He wants to give us time to mature. He wants, he wants us to have that fellowship with us. He, he wants us to lean into him and to say, okay, God, I did what you asked me. What's next? Or, or, or what, what, what do you have for me now? Or God, I see what you did here in response to my obeying you. And I'm, I'm just so amazed by the way you work. He wants all of that kind of relational interaction with him so that you and I might grow in him, might mature in him, and not only in our ability to hear his voice, but our ability to understand his ways how he works, what he does, and also so people might see him working in us and out of that desire to know him in the way that you and I know him. Number four, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. A listening heart is cultivated in God's presence. Here's what's interesting. The only other times we see Joseph, do you know where he's at? He's at the house of God. It's very interesting. Luke chapter two, when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete. They took him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to offer him to God. In Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and as the parents of the child of Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people, Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. So, you know, they're, they're at the house of God in the presence of the Lord. You read on in that chapter, and it says the child's father and mother marveled at what God said about him. And then every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So they're going up to worship the Lord. What's that tell us? We cultivate our ability to hear God's voice by being in God's presence. And part of that is when we have our own time with the Lord. So hopefully when you're waiting on the Lord, you're allowing God to, you have time where you're not doing anything but waiting, listening, allowing God to speak to your heart. You say, well, what if he's not speaking? 
and just enjoy his presence. You know, a great part of prayer is just being in the presence of the Lord and just, just enjoying being with Jesus. You see, if, if all your prayer life is, is just your list of things you've got to have God's help on, that's why some of you don't have much of a prayer life, because really, honestly, if you just give the list and move on, there's not interaction, there's not the wonder, there's not the awe, there's not the, the experience of who God is and God working in your life, and you're missing what prayer is really all about. And so while you're in the presence of the Lord personally, God's going to speak. Sometimes it's going to be as you're reading the Bible. I mean, honestly, you're going to be reading the Word, and all of a sudden, a verse is going to leap out of that, out of the pages of Scripture, and you're going to know God is speaking that directly to you about where you're at, about the way you're walking with Him, about, about what He wants to do in your life, or about encouraging you about a situation, God's speaking. And then other times, and, and this is why, hey, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here, but you're in the prayer meeting, and what that does is it helps you to sense what God is doing, because you're watching leaders lead, and you're watching the response, and, and there are some things that God only will do in the gathering of His body coming together, and there are some things that happen when you and I are privately with the Lord. So it's, it's both of those are opportunities to develop an ability to hear the voice of God. And I realize there are some here tonight, and you're facing decisions that are, that are very significant for your life, especially as you're looking uh, into this next year, and maybe there's offers uh, for your, your services to move or to sell a business, buy a business, take a different job. Um, maybe it has to do with your personal finance. Maybe it has to do with, with just other things. You need God's direction in your life. And this is, this is a wonderful time and a wonderful place to receive that. And God wants to speak to you. There's some of you, and tonight, honestly, yeah, we can get so busy not just during the Christmas season, but with life in general, and find ourselves not quieting our heart long enough to hear the voice of God. Maybe for some it's been a long, long time. Listen, God is speaking to you even now as I'm talking. The Holy Spirit is witnessing to your heart the truth of what I'm saying. And, and doing that not for the purpose of condemning you, but for the purpose of having relationship with you that would change your life.